When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, all you heroes and champions, crows, pirates, and inquisitors. Welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast. I'm Shelby. And I'm Austin. And we are so excited to bring you this podcast. Every episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Dragon Age universe. From the Maker to Lyrium to Aravels, we will cover it all. There will be spoilers. And always remember, swooping is bad. Hey, Shelby. Hey, Austin. How's it going? Pretty good, because today we have a guest with us. We do. We have Firewriter from the Pixel People with us. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Welcome. Thanks for having me. We are so excited. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. I'm excited you. to be here. Yeah. So when we started the podcast, uh, both Shelby and I kind of did an overview of like what got us into Dragon Age. And so if you want to just talk about what your experience with the games and sure. what hooked you into the game, I guess. So Dragon Age is a funny one because I first tried it, um, I don't know, years ago. I don't even know how many years ago. And I immediately bounced off of it and decided it wasn't for me. Um, It was Origins that I tried and the mechanics threw me for a complete loop. And I was just like, this game sucks. How does anybody play it? I don't understand it. Blah, 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 blah. And (laughs) so fast forward however many years. And um, so I started the podcast and um, immediately, you know, I had uh, people requesting uh, characters from a bunch of games I hadn't played. And Dragon Age was one of those games. And I knew that Dragon Age was a very character heavy game. And a lot of the um, same people who really loved it were people who loved other games that I was really into. So I was like, okay, we're going to try this again. So to make things extra hard for me, I decided to go ahead and try it on stream so I could embarrass myself in front of everybody. Because, you know, what better way to (laughs) get accustomed to a game? That actually, it wound up being the best thing I could have done because I wound up getting a lot of help um, and people Mm -hmm. cheering me on while I was trying to figure out the mechanics and offering a lot of great advice and encouraging me to turn down the difficulty level. (laughs) And not be embarrassed to do so. And yes. <laughs> which I think was probably the best piece of advice I was given. And I wound up absolutely loving it. And I was so glad that I did. Um, I have yet to play uh, the next one. It is 
in line. I'm currently finishing up a uh, playthrough of Mass Effect Legendary Edition, and then uh, Dragon Age 2 is next on the docket in the uh, Bioware slot <laughs> on my awesome. stream. So um, I'm looking forward to getting back into that universe and learning more about, you know, more of the great characters that are hanging out in there. Plus, I've got a lot of folks who want to talk about characters who are further down in the series, and I want to be, I want to be ready for yes. that. <laughs> I can imagine that people are probably DMing you every day, wanting you to talk about Varric. <laughs> I'm trying to think, do I have Varric? I do have Varric on my list. You are correct. Yeah. I can't remember who asked yeah. for it, but I do remember he is on my list. So yeah, we'll he's, get there. He's a really good one. So hopefully in season two. <laughs> So Shelby, what are we talking about today? Well, today we are continuing our Countries of Thetis series. So we have already talked about Tevinter and Orle um, so far in the series. And we did those two first because they're kind of the older, oldest human countries at least in the series. Um, so today we're transitioning to Ferelden, which Ferelden is actually technically the youngest kingdom in Thetis, so we're going all the way to the other spectrum. Um, but I think that's more due to like the Orlesian occupation of Ferelden, which, you know, we get that a little bit in Origins. Um, so yeah, we're starting with Ferelden. I'm excited because I think if I lived in Thetis, I would probably be a Ferelden. Like, that's just my personality. I think I would fit well in Ferelden. So. <laughs> that's so funny because I always say that I would fit in the Free Marches. Like, I think I would be happy there, which is funny because my favorite game is Dragon Age 2 and yours is Origins. Yeah, and that's where those are set. So. <laughs> okay, so um, I have my little fun facts about Ferelden. Um, the capital is Dinnerum, which we go to in Origins. We get to see all kinds of the city. And I will say the first time I played Origins, I had no idea that there were, like, other parts of the city that you could go to, like, other than the marketplace. Like, obviously, there's the place of the Black Pearl or whatever it's called. Um, but I had no idea there were all these little alleys and other things that you could go to. I just had no idea that that was that was a thing that existed at all in the game. Um, so on my subsequent playthroughs, I explored the rest of the city a little bit more. <laughs> so um, that was a fun little excursion for me. But anyways, so the Ferelden government is set up like a feudal monarchy. Like last week we talked about Orle is an absolute monarchy, which is just like, you know, the emperor or empress holds all the power but not really the same in Ferelden. Like, they do have a king or queen, and we can meet some of them. Um, but it's, it's much more feudal. Like, the, the rest of Ferelden um, is, is ruled in that kind of feudal system with um, arles and bands and all these kind of titles. And we'll get into more of that later. So the ruler of Ferelden right now is conditional, depending on your actions in the lands meet. So it can either be Alistair Theron, it can be Honora Mectir Theron, 
or it can be both Alistair and Anora, or it can be the hero of Ferelden. I think those are the only options. So Fire, which did you choose in your playthrough? So um, I wound up giving the crown to Anora um, because I was trying to keep Alistair for myself. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> There, 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 there were, there were uh, definitely uh, very selfish motivations uh, driving my uh, <laughs> behaviors in this in this game. <laughs> well, what um, what race and class is your character? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so she is a Dalish. Um, she is from the forests. Um, I forget what the exact term for that is. Um, and she was a. Uh, a warrior um yeah she was a dual dual handed warrior nice yeah so you you don't really get the happiest of endings i think well i was if you put him on the throne i was able to push through and convince him so we did get our happy good, ever after <laughs> with a lot of advice Yay. from the wonderful people in my stream who, who helped guide my decision-making knowing what I wanted my outcome to be. <laughs> yeah. I, the first time I played, um, I screwed it up because I thought that the like strategic thing to do would be to make Logan another gray warden. Ooh. So you can have another one. So you could have another one to fight the arch demon. And I, I went into it blind. I had no idea any of the, any of the outcomes. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know that was a thing, really. Um, so I was like, I was just thinking literally in terms of practical, um, how can we get the most chances of winning against this archdemon, yeah. right? And he he leaves the party, and I was crushed <laughs> because right before that, I had the um, the scene with Zevran when his friend Taliesin comes back mm -hmm. and tries to convince him to go back to the crows. And apparently we didn't have high enough friendship and he left too. I had to kill him. And so I was just really heartbroken. <laughs> it was so funny was when I was going time. into, you know, the whole, the lands meet and everything. I, a particular friend of mine who um, was really my main guide throughout this shout out to the rancid dwarf uh gotta give it to them um they they know this game inside and out and uh they were just constantly like do not let logan live do not let alistair kill him do not I'm, okay 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 <laughs> yeah. i hear you i hear you yeah <laughs> <clears throat> Okay, so are we ready to talk about, like, the ancient history of Ferelden? Yeah. I always nerd out on this. Um, so, in our previous episodes um, about Tevinter and Orlais, we talked a lot about how, like, those countries formed because the humans that lived there, they lived in, like, tribal societies, right? Um, and then, basically, the tribes, for whatever reason, many of them combine, they start combining. And that's also true in Ferelden. So Ferelden was first settled um, by the Alamari tribes, which the Alamari tribes are the tribes that Andraste and her family come from. Um, 
but King Kalanhad is really the one who unites all of these clans like permanently. And that happens about 400 years before Origins. Um, but Ferelden was first settled when the Alamari split from one of the Tevinter tribes and they kind of like come down across the continent into, um, across the Frostback Mountains and into the valleys. Um, and like the Alamari tribes are like, they are Ferelden, right? Like so much of their culture is just copy and paste it into who Ferelden is today. Um, and I think that that's really important because it's not the same in the other countries. Like in, in Orlais and Tevinter, it's very much a melding, but in Ferelden, it's the Alamari culture. Um, and I think that's important. So the Alamari also developed the political system of Ferelden, um, which is, is again, mostly intact in, in modern Ferelden, um, and we'll talk about that later um, because it's kind of weird and complicated, and there are so many names like Arles, Arlesas, Bands, Terniers, all, all of those things. Like, I was so confused what all of those things mean um, for a very long time, so we'll talk about that later. Um, but to go back to King Callanhad, King Callanhad is the first Theron. He um, is the great, 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 whatever grandfather of Alistair and Caelan. And he actually was not any kind of royalty or nobility um, coming up. He was actually the son of a merchant and he became a servant to someone who was a candidate for the throne of Ferelden. So Callanhad works for this guy, is very respected by him, and eventually he married his master's daughter, and through that became a noble, and then eventually he became a Terran, and eventually through a lands meet, he became Ferelden's greatest king. Um, so that's, those are kind of the events that lead up to the founding of Ferelden. And I think the games, there are so many codex entries about King Callanhad and like Arl Eamon, who I get annoyed with. He talks so much about this bloodline, like we can't abandon the Theron bloodline. Um, Alistair needs to sit on the throne. There needs to be a Theron on the throne. Um, and that goes back to King Callanhad. Um, it's been this way for 400 years and that's pretty significant. Well, and there's Andros Day, too. Well, she wasn't king or queen, though. Right, but big role in Ferelden. She is Ferelden. Yeah, and I mean, it's like there's only two. Like, they're the two biggest people from Ferelden. Like, they're the two biggest heroes and leaders. Um, and I mean, I guess you have Maffarath, her husband, but he's, like, reviled. Like, he's hated. Um and I guess, of course, you have now the hero of Ferelden, um, but I feel like all these other countries have so many more leaders and people they look up to and rulers and all these people, and Ferelden just has a couple. <laughs> and I guess that's because they're newer. They're younger than the others. Um, but, yes. So, let's transition a little bit into some major events in Ferelden history.
So, first, the Grey Warden Rebellion. I do have so a question. You, yeah. Fire, did mm-hmm. you play all the DLCs for Dragon Age Origin 2? Oh, for, um, let's see. I know I played some of them. Like, I, I played, um, let me think. I played Soldier's Peak. I played the one that goes into the deep. And I played uh, Liliana's song. Um, if there's more, I can't remember. Or they were just mixed right in and I didn't realize That's I was playing. Yeah, the there, are so, there are so <laughs> many DLCs for that game. Like, so many. Yeah. Um, so I probably did play more and because I, I had them all. So I just don't know which ones because I, I'd never played base game, just base game, so I don't know. Did you get Did you get Shale in your party? Okay, so yes, Shale is from a DLC, I and I love Shale. Hilarious, She's wonderful, hilarious. Oh my gosh, so funny! <laughs> I think of her whenever I see yes. her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the Soldier's Peak is super important because we're going to talk about that. So the Soldier's Peak DLC gives us such an insight into the Grey Warden Rebellion. Like, we hear about that. I think it's mentioned in several places. I'm not sure. But we get to see it basically play out um, in that DLC. So, really, the story starts with a dispute over the throne of Ferelden, which, like, isn't that always how rebellions start, I feel like. Um, But one of the Theron kings died without an heir. Um, similar to Kaelin, throwing the country into just like chaos. So Arland Theron, King Arland, and Sophia Dryden both had claims to the throne. They're both descended from the Theron line, even though Sophia has a different last name. Um, she was like a cousin to the direct line, not necessarily like a direct descendant of the previous king. Um, but she still had a claim because she was really respected. And Ferelden. Um, and as we know, if you've played that DLC, she does not become the ruler of Ferelden. Um, but she was really respected by the people. And instead of being killed because they didn't want to just kill her outright because she was so respected, they sent her to the Grey Wardens of Ferelden, hoping that, okay, she can become a leader here. She will not be such a threat to um, the throne anymore. And for a while, she does do that. She does improve the order. She um, becomes a great warrior and continues to be very respected. Um, But fast forward a few years, King Arland becomes kind of cruel and even maniacal, um, which turns a lot of the Freldens against him. And so Sophia, of course, of course, makes a comeback. And is plotting a rebellion. So in the DLC, we see the last remnants of her rebellion. Um, And the result of Sophia's actions is that the Grey Wardens get expelled from the country for over 200 years. um, Until King Merrick, Alistair's dad, uh, brings brings them back. So... She's a really interesting character to me, um, mostly because we see her as a ghoul. I think she's a ghoul. Yeah. Um, which is just creepy. Gives me the, I don't know <laughs> what the word is. But, um, again, I always love character female characters that are not, like, 
the goody goody two shoes kind of character. I really appreciate when they make evil female characters just because I feel like there are lots of women characters out there that are that kind of stereotypical or like, oh, you're a good person. So I feel like evil female characters are always interesting. Um, and I think that Sophia is definitely one of them. I think that the, this whole era of Ferelden history really sets up, like, because I always thought it strange how, like, little help you get as a Grey Warden in Origins. Mm -hmm. And, like, you're supposed to be these fabled heroes that, you know, have defeated four blights before this. And mm -hmm. everyone is just kind of like, ew, you're a Grey Warden. And I just get that, like, you get that a little bit like when there's these mythical things like if we take the jedi for example like there mm -hmm. are people who are like oh i don't want this involvement of the jedi but generally most of the galaxy in star wars looks at the jedi and says oh they're they're good they're helpful and so i was always mm -hmm. weirded out by why the great wardens were so reviled i guess in ferelden yeah and why they were so quick to believe that Logan's story that they betrayed King Caitlin on battlefield. Another mm -hmm. thing, but this, but when you learn this, you're like, oh, there's a history of Grey Wardens inciting rebellion in Ferelden. Yeah, and being treacherous. Like, it makes sense. It makes sense. And also, I think, for some people, depending on the origin you, you've chosen, the first Grey Warden you meet is Duncan, who can be kind of a jerk. Like, I know a lot of people hate him. I don't necessarily hate him um, because I've played most of the Origins and I think he can be a good guy in some of them, but it, 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 it's just interesting. Like, he's the first one you meet. He's not, he's a gray character. We'll, we'll leave him in the gray. Um, and it, I don't know, it seems like he has a lot of connections, but, you know, and the only other gray wardens you meet in that game are your companions um, and Riordan. Is that his name mm -hmm. at the very end? And then he dies. Spoiler. <laughs> so, Sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the game has been out for like 15 years, right? <laughs> oh, you bet. There's going to be someone in a review. It's going to be like big spoilers. Yeah. Well, our intro has the fact that there will be spoilers, That's so true. they were warned. They were warned, yeah. Anyway. Smart right. choice. <laughs> okay, so the Grey Warden Rebellion, yeah. Any other thoughts about Grey Wardens? Do y'all have a favorite Grey Warden? I guess I'll have to stick with Alistair. That's fair. Yeah, I was going to say Alistair. <laughs> I like Stroud in Dragon Age 2, but not Inquisitor. I'm surprised you didn't say Bethany is your favorite Grey Warden. Oh, that's true. You love her. I do love her. Yeah. And I think she makes a really good Grey Warden. Um, but that's a conditional that's true. thing. Like, Stroud and Alistair are Grey Wardens no matter what you do, really. Even if Alistair yeah. is king, he's still like, okay. That's true. That's my thing. Like, what if Alistair is king? This is off topic. Alistair is king, got the calling. Like, that seems like a, not a great thing. <laughs> well, that's why he has heirs. That's true. So, but my favorite Grey Warden is not a Grey Warden. 
because my favorite Grey Warden is Blackwall and Fire that he's in Inquisition and um, spoiler he pretends to be mm. a Grey Warden tricky <laughs> tricky which is problematic um, <laughs> but depending on your choices though he could be a that's Grey true Warden. he could become one um, I really just love his story of redemption I mean I'm a sap so that's why I love him I love a good redemption yeah. arc. Well, oh, when you get to Inquisition, you will like him. <laughs> okay, Grey Wardens. So, just one thing. Yeah. What was your first impression of like the order of Grey Wardens when you were like first playing the game? Oh, um, so I agree with what um, you had said earlier. Um, you know, because I was kind of coming into the to it, you know, pretty blind. Um, not. And I found that really confusing, too, that they were kind of set up to be big heroes, except that they were kind of not. <laughs> and, and, and I couldn't quite get a feel for, uh, like, are, are, we, are we the good guys or are, are we not the good guys? I, can't, I, can't, I just couldn't tell. So that was very confusing um, at the beginning. And in a way, I kind of liked that it was confusing. Um, because things aren't black and white, you know, in the real world. And, and sometimes there are, um, questions about, you know, <laughs> it's like, is that really the right, I don't know. I don't know. And, um, what you were saying about, um, Duncan, I think is uh, really true to where initially I felt like he was set up to be, oh, this is going to be my mentor. Wait, wait, no, what are you doing? <laughs> what you doing there, Duncan? <laughs> so... <laughs> That was, there was, there was those first, you know, few, uh, scenes, I guess, uh, once, once, once you complete the origin and get into the main port part of the game, there was a lot of like whiplash moments that were actually pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciated that. Yeah. I think, so. yeah, they do a really good job of like keeping you on your toes, especially in that game mm -hmm. and in Inquisition. For sure. Um, cause there are just so many like twists and turns that. I never expected and usually I'm really good at like okay well this is what's gonna happen next because I pay attention to the foreshadowing and all that but not in origins not in origins <laughs> I was surprised yeah. when Duncan kills the other guy I was, it, that always struck yeah. me as like extreme <laughs> like okay he doesn't want to be a great warden oh, why yeah. he gotta die like <laughs> yeah yeah that was that moment where I was like no no wait yeah. what, what what just happened <laughs> You don't want to drink dark spawn blood. <laughs> well, it's not just dark spawn blood. It's dark spawn blood and archdemon blood. Yeah. So which is even worse. You don't want to drink that. Gnarly. You don't want to drink that, so now you have to die. Yeah. Well, you know, in it's like an unfair choice. In the book The Calling, you get to know Duncan a lot more, and he's very much presented as this like young rogue jackass like he's a thief um and he becomes a gray warden because the person he stole from and killed was also a gray warden i think and anyways so you get a much more interesting picture of him like yeah he is a jerk um and i think he's supposed to be in that book because he's also a kid you know He's like a teenager. Um, so there's just a lot more backstory to him in that book that I appreciated. Um, 
And then he goes into the deep roads with Merrick and other Grey Wardens and just kind of gets his butt kicked. So, you know, the books are fun. I like them. That's a great reminder. I do need to read the books. I've It's been on my list and I've been dawdling, but yeah. I need to read the read the ones like through Origins and then not any further. Yes. But I do well, want to. I haven't read them either. So Every episode I get on here and I say... You should really read the book. This book is really good. Literally every time. <laughs> so, Austin, I'm surprised you have not uh, actually read them yet. See, I I need to get them on audiobook. Yeah, that's, I'm gonna that's true. Actually, read them. That's true. Well, anyway, it, yeah. we'll go, what grad school destroyed reading for me. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's real. That's real. Aww. That's real. But we're not in grad school anymore, so you can get back into reading. That's true. Um, that's true. Okay, so do we want to move to the Orlesian occupation? Yes. So we started talking about this in last week's episode um, on Orlais because they were the colonizers, the conquerors of Ferelden. But tonight I want to talk about this from Ferelden's perspective. Um, so Ferelden was invaded by Orlais in the Eighth Age, the Blessed Age, under the order of the Mad Emperor Reveal. Um, I think that's how you pronounce that, of Orlais. So Ferelden, obviously they didn't just roll over, like they're pretty tough, um, but they are also poorer than the Orlesians and they don't have this massive, well-trained military force, the Chevalier, like Orlais has. So after 20 years of fighting, um, they are fully conquered by Orlais. And so the Therans, who, again, we've already talked about Kalanhad, they've been on the throne since Kalanhad, um, but the Therans were forced into hiding. And so at this time, the only Therans that are alive are the future King Merrick, who is the father of Alistair, and his mother, who is known as the Rebel Queen, and her first name is Moira. Um, and so we get a little bit of their story, actually a lot of their story, in the book The Stolen Throne. And I love that one um, because you get to know Loghain so much better and at first I was really mad because I didn't want to feel sympathy for Loghain because I hate him. <laughs> but it was so good and I wasn't expecting it. And I still get really frustrated with Loghain, of course. Um, but just the character development of Loghain and Merrick. Um, but of Loghain is just phenomenal in this book. And so I love that. But I'll get into Loghain in a second. Um, so Merrick and his mom are in hiding. They go into hiding, you know, when they first start coming into Ferelden. So they're running around, they're plotting behind the scenes, um, trying to lead this rebellion, trying to fight back against Orlais. And pretty soon into the book, spoiler alert, um, the rebel queen is betrayed by a few of her supporters. Um, and this is... I see that moment as 
the start of the comeback of the rebellion, even though it totally seems like the opposite. It seems like, okay, the, the rebellion is dead. The rebel queen is no longer alive. There's no way she can lead us. There's no way this boy, this teenage boy Merrick can lead us. Um, so when she's killed, the Orlesian noble Megrin is installed as the king of Freldon during this time. And so when the rebel queen is killed, Merrick barely escapes, like by the skin of his teeth. And he is just sprinting, like running through the woods um, in Ferelden, trying to get away from these people. He has no, he really has no weapons. He doesn't have any provisions. He probably didn't even have the right armor, right, like clothes, all that kind of stuff. But he meets a young hunter slash spy, and this person is Loghain. And Loghain helps Merrick, as he's obviously injured, without a weapon, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so at this point in time, Loghain's father, his name is Gareth, is basically running this like refugee camp almost, and like home for outlaws for all of the Freldans who refuse to submit to the Orlesian rule. And he's running this camp for a couple different reasons. Number one, Loghain's dad refused to pay taxes to the Orlesians because he didn't recognize them as having authority. Um, and then number two, this is a big trigger warning for sexual violence. Number two, the Orlesians um, had killed and raped Loghain's mom, Gareth's wife. Um, and so Loghain witness, witnesses all of this, which is horrific and I think really impacts who he is as a person um, and in some of his probably paranoia as we see later in the games. So after um, Loghain's mom dies, his dad disappears for three days. Like nobody knows where he is. Nobody knows if he's coming back. Nobody went with him. No nobody has any idea. So what he did is that he went to murder the Orlesian commander who killed his wife. So clearly, after this happens, they have to live on the run. Like, they can't just go into town anymore. Um, so when Loghain discovers Merrick running through the woods, he doesn't realize who he is at first. Um, and he invites Merrick back to this camp. Um, and ultimately, the Orlesians catch up to them. And Loghain's dad charges Loghain with protecting Merrick and making sure that he gets on the throne again, making sure that the Orlesians get ousted from their country. And so eventually Loghain manages somehow by the grace of the maker to get King Merrick to Arl Garen, not Arl Eamon Garen, but Arl Rendorn Garen, who is Eamon's father. Um, and they, he later joins the, the rebel army and Loghain is back with his people. And so they, um, continue fighting against the Orlesians. Loghain becomes one of Merrick's best friends, as well as a key military advisor of the rebels and his strategies and really his creation of this like guerrilla little force called the night elves, um, is responsible for turning the tide of the war and the occupation of Ferelden. So if you're interested in more of this story, you can check out and read The Stolen Throne. I really recommend it if you're interested in learning more about 
either the Theron family or Loghain um, because it's really interesting. So um, Ferelden eventually is freed through the efforts of Loghain, Merrick, and um, Rowan Garen, who is the older sister of Eamon. And Rowan is also engaged to Merrick, so that's another fun fact. But she's also an awesome warrior, which I love. So they muster the remaining rebels against the Orlesians, and a large number of Orlesian forces are defeated at the Battle of River Dane, which forces the Emperor and Orle to withdraw all support for, Me for Megrin. So eventually what happens is Megrin and his court flee to Fort Draken, and Merrick challenges Megrin to a duel and kills him in single combat, which is so Ferelden, I think. And so that ends his rule, obviously, and ends the Orlesian occupation. And Merrick then marries Rowan and starts to rebuild Ferelden. So that's a little bit of the Orlesian occupation and how Merrick gets back on the throne. Um, and during this time, another little... Fun complication <laughs> is that Loghain and Rowan fall in love with each other while Rowan and Merrick are engaged to be married. And they've been like intended since they were kids, you know, like that's how noble families work, I guess. Um, but Loghain and, and Rowan fall in love. And so that definitely complicates Loghain and, and Merrick's relationship, um, especially after she dies. She dies pretty young. Um, so I think Loghain in Origins is just this gruff jerk. Um, he's this military leader who's super paranoid and, I mean, he's almost painted as crazy, I think. But in this book, I think we get a little bit more understanding of why he is the way he is because he's seen horrible things throughout these wars. Um, his whole life has been war. So of course he is choosing to act in ways um, that he thinks are preventing more war. Even if it's not really doing that, that's what he thinks he's doing. Um, so that's a little bit about Loghain and the occupation. I think that um, that really sheds light into Loghain's motivations. I think without that, you don't really understand. The game itself doesn't paint a really good picture of like why Loghain is doing what he does other than that Ferelden hates Orlay. Right. Like that's really the only motivation you get. Otherwise, he's just kind of painted as like this power-hungry guy who wants the throne. Um, and I think that gets a lot of motivation for why he is so enraged when he learned. So one of the reasons that he does end up betraying Kaylin and he's pissed at Kaylin is Kaylin and Celine have been having correspondence about how to fight the Blight together. And Loghain is just pissed mm -hmm. beyond all belief that Kaelin would even consider working with Orlesians, which makes sense. You know, they killed and raped his mother um, and did all kinds of terrible things. Like, he, they're the boogeyman of his life. But I think really, like, what is Ro or what is Loghain's downfall 
is that he's so willing to kill the child of this woman who he claimed he loved. You mean Kaylin or do you mean Alistair? Both. Yeah. Well, Alistair is not. Oh, Rowan's that's child. true. You're right. That's right. Yeah. But he's still the child of his best friend. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really and good so, point. But you do, it's a little more sympathy for understanding that, like, he's not really sure that it's a blight. First of all, at at Ostagar, no one's real. There's no. There hasn't been an archdemon. No one knows it's a blight yet. Um, there's just, you know, Duncan saying basically this is a blight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this combat with the Orlesians and everything like that. And then he kind of views Caitlyn as weak, which Caitlyn is weak in mm-hmm. some ways. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What do you think about Logan Fire? Um, I think that this is all really interesting because, you know, I I didn't know all of this backstory and um, he was very much painted in the game as, hey, this is your bad guy just because this is your bad guy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, um, you know, I I really I I love a a complicated, somewhat sympathetic villain Mm -hmm. and uh, I I really appreciate all of uh, this extra backstory i'll definitely be reading that book yeah it's a good one (laughs) it's so funny because i really appreciated this book but i hate having a sympathetic villain because (laughs) i which just sounds so weird but i like my life our lives everyone's life is so much living in the gray like we don't we can't live in black and white Mm -hmm. people are complicated humans are Mm -hmm. complicated nobody very few people are ever 100% good and 100% bad. Like that's just not how humans work. Right. right? So in my life, I really try to understand people. That's a lot of what I do for work. Um, and so whenever I watch a movie or play a video game or watch TV, I don't want to have sympathy for like the villain again, because I'm trying to find sympathy for people in my everyday life. So I want things to be very clear cut. Like I want things to be black and white. Um, And in Dragon Age, that never happens, like ever. So it's kind of funny to me that I love this game so much when I'm always like, oh, I want them to be bad or good. (laughs) Austin is rolling his eyes at me. Yeah, because, yeah, I love that complication precisely because it's so real yeah um it makes the games feel very real to me it makes them um more immersive um it it raises the stakes Mm -hmm. uh that yeah i mean that that's that's precisely what i want like and in in games with you know faction systems i want the same thing i want complicated factions i want to constantly be questioning the choice that I made is that because because I the way I play games I do want to get like I'm, I'm a peacemaker I want to get the best possible outcome which sounds almost contradictory based on what I just said right but I want to be challenged yeah. to get that outcome and I want to be questioning myself and the decisions that I made and um so games with sympathetic villains and um when it's when it's not quite clear maybe who the good guys are and who the bad guys yeah. are i'm i'm very drawn to that yeah well you're really going to like inquisition then <laughs> <laughs> like really yeah. really uh, <laughs> i love it i was going to say bioware is the developer for you 
Sounds like it. Between Bioware and Bethesda, I've got my my complicated stories. (laughs) Bioware's motto is uh, actions have consequences. Yeah, and and I love that. You know, make me make a decision that I don't see the result of for two other games, and I'm like, hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is, sorry, spoilers for Mass Effect, but the one thing, the saving Malin's research data in Mass Effect 2 was the one that got me for its end result. Because it's such an insignificant, like, insignificant (sighs) side quest that completely changes the entire galaxy. Oh, yeah. Okay, so when I play Mass Effect 2, I need to do that. Um, It depends on what you feel, who you feel sympathy for. Okay, well, you'll have to help me then. I'm going to tell you to go with your gut because I want you to experience the pain that we've all experienced. Okay, okay. Well, if you do that, then I'm just going to go look it up on the Mass Effect wiki. Yeah, watch out. I, I went with my gut the first time I played uh, Mass Effect, and boy, howdy, was three in experience. Whoa. <laughs> boy, did I make some interesting choices. Yeah. I, in Mass Effect 2, I had two squad mates survived the first time I oh, played through it. You beat me because I, I was horrified by how many people I lost and everybody was like, you lost who? And I, I know, I know. So, uh, yeah, this time around, um, this time around I only lost one and it's made a world of difference. Yeah. But. That's why I got <laughs> on to you when you called Vermeyer the suicide mission. Who, me? Yes, because it's not the suicide <laughs> I'm mission. I'm sorry, I'm no. sorry. I don't know things. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, but that's a hard choice, though. I mean, there's hard choices to be made on Vermeer, and those choices have huge consequences across the whole game. I'm trying to finish Mass Effect, but this this podcast is making me only want to do Dragon Age. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get to it, Austin. I promise. <laughs> All right. Uh... Okay, do we want to talk about Ferelden culture? Yeah. Okay, I have a really fun codex entry that I'm about to read. <laughs> um, so basically, Ferelden culture is really considered barbaric and uncivilized by, like, the rest of Thetis, especially Orle and Tevinter, right? Like, they are... They are on their high horses. Like, they think they're better than everyone else. So, of course, they're going to look down on Ferelden, especially, well, I mean, both of them, because Orle conquers Ferelden for however long. And then Tevinter murders the number one most famous Ferelden of all time, Andraste. So, yeah, they're both going to have superiority complexes there. I... I really think it's interesting that the two countries that have, like, one has a huge slave complex, like, in industry, mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. venture, and the other one also had most of which are elves. And in Orlais, they, they might not have slaves, but the way their class system works with the servants of the Orlesian families. Mm-hmm they call Ferelden uncivilized. Fair, but also, I mean, Ferelden <laughs> and probably Ravain have the freest elves, right? So it's interesting that, you know, the two the two countries that 
that would um, have the most unjust treatment of elves look down on the one who is maybe a little bit better in their treatment. Um, I think that's interesting. That's really, that's a good point, Austin. Thank you for lifting that up. Um, but anyway, so I think one of the biggest reasons why Ferelden culture is considered uncivilized is because for Ferelden's, like, their biggest character trait that they hold dear is their freedom, which makes sense because they've been conquered so many times. Um, but they're so committed to that freedom, you know, to everything. Um, their elves are more free. They don't have, you know, this, this strict class system like other places have, like Tevinter and Orle. Um, they don't, they, they have more freedom in like where they can travel, where they can live, especially for the poor people. Like they can go to whatever land and work whatever land they want, um, and so that freedom, you see it run from the poorest of the poor all the way up to the most wealthy, to the king, to the monarch. Um, and so I think that that freedom, it really impacts every aspect of the culture in Ferelden, um, which I think is really interesting. And also like that freedom is a source of pride for them. Um, and I think all of their culture is a source of pride with, you know, the, the dogs all of that kind of imagery, um, the like dark, heavy kind of um, aesthetics of Ferelden, all of that is a source of pride and impacts who they are. So I have a codex entry that I wanted to read because I think it's hilarious. And this is a quote from Empress Selene in a letter to one of her ambassadors to Ferelden. This is what it says. There are a few things you can safely assume in dealing with these people. First, they value loyalty above all things, beyond wealth, beyond power, beyond reason. Second, although they have nothing in their entire country which you are likely to think at all remarkable, they are extremely proud of their accomplishments. Third, if you insult their dogs, they are likely to declare war. And finally, the surest sign that you have underestimated the Ferelden's is that you think that you have come to understand them. I'm laughing so much at the dogs. <laughs> I know. It's so true. It's so I feel true. like this could be written by like any European country about the US. Totally. Yeah, really? Agree. Yes. <laughs> You come from my dog. It's so yeah. true. It's so true. It's so I think true. it's interesting the point she brings up though from a thing of like they uh value loyalty above everything else. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why the nobles of the lands meet, at least in somewhat turn against Logan. Mm. Because you know, it's a thing about, like, he wasn't loyal to Caitlyn. Right. To the Theron bloodline. And there's a quest to the Theron bloodline. And there's questions on his loyalty at Ostagar. Mm -hmm. And that is what ultimately undoes him. That's a really good point. Um, it's a really good point. Yes. 
But also now I'm just thinking about Barkspawn. <laughs> I love him. I was told to name the dog Barkspawn as well. See, so I always I, did. I always named the dog after my dog. Yeah. Because it feels immersive Aww. for me. Cute. <laughs> That's adorable. Okay. So talking about fraud and culture, political systems are part of that. So what the heck is the difference between a Terran, a ban, and an Arl? I wrote in my notes a Terran, an Arl, and a ban walk into a bar. I was trying to be clever. But anyway, so unlike most kingdoms, power is not exclusively with the nobility in Ferelden. We know that from the games. Um, but it power comes from the people because a ban and Arl and a Terran are kind of like the overseers. Um, like they're the feudal lords of the lands in Ferelden. And so if they don't have the support of the people that work their lands, also known as freeholders, then they're not going to own that land for very much longer. So that's really unique for Thetis. Um, in Orlay, the nobles can do whatever the hell they want and treat their um, people like crap and nothing will happen to them. Not so, not so in Ferelden. So, um, and even the king is not, or queen is not the unchallenged ruler. Anyone can challenge the king or queen in the lands meet. And for a long time, the nobility gathers um, to hold the lands meet annually, which um, they function as the official legislative body of Ferelden. And the lands meet, the lands meet's will can override the king or queen on any man matter of law. So the lands meet is really the ultimate body in Ferelden, which I find very interesting and I kind of like that. Um, but it's, it is kind of American again in that like governmental system. Like there's no one person who's unchallenged. It's a very feudal system yeah. of government from that it reminds me of skyrim's system of government with the moot and the like the the high king of skyrim basically holds very little power and like they're not even present when you start the game so i know nothing about that i'm sorry yeah <laughs> but it's also very like game of thrones which we can say, like, sure. Dragon Age Origins very much pulls from Game of Thrones, uh, Lord of the Rings, all of these fantasy things. And, like, you know, you have all these houses of Westeros. And there is a king, but as the show and books have proven, that does not mean that all of those houses have to obey the king. Right. Yeah, and the same is true, I think, in Ferelden. So you have a bunch of different... Um, kinds of nobles so at the top obviously you have the king or the queen and then right under that you have prince and princess um obviously that's like all together in my brain um and then the first under the royal those are the royal family under that the highest noble title is a terran and there are only two um terniers left in Ferelden. And that is the Terranir of High Ever. So if you play a human 
in Dragon Age Origins, that's where you're from. And the other one is Gwarin, and Loghain is the Terranir of Gwarin. Um, until he either dies or becomes a Great Warden. I'm not really sure what happens to it after that. So, uh-huh. I have a question. Uh-huh. Do the Kuzlins become, like, do they inherit the Terran or whatever after Hal is displaced? Yeah, it's implied heavily that it goes back to your family if you if you play that origin. Um, and I think if it's also kind of implied that whatever origin you pick, all the other origins, they all die. But I think that the sibling in that origin, so there's an older brother who goes to fight in Ostagar, he supposedly survives. So he rules that Tarnir if, um, if you're he not a Kuzlin. Right, right. Um, so that still exists. And I, I really don't know anything about Gwarin other than Loghain was the Tarnir of it for a while. Um, I should have looked that up, but alas. Anyway, so after Terran is Arl or Arlesa. And after that is Ban. And a Ban and an Arl are very similar. Um, I think the difference is like an Arl typically has a little bit more land than a Ban might have. Um, and it's basically a feudal lord. Um, and then again, after that is lord, lady, and knight. Those are all pretty basic. But um, we already talked about freeholders. They're like regular people who work the land, earn income from working that land. And they swear allegiance to a ban or an arl. Those bans and arls, sometimes bans will swear allegiance to an arl. Not always. But a ban and an arl, they will always swear allegiance to the Terran of their area. They don't have to. There are a bunch like in the middle of Ferelden that don't necessarily swear allegiance to anyone. Um, but the ones that are, you know, close to High Ever, close to Guarin, they would probably swear allegiance um, to the ones that are that they're close to. Um, so it's very similar to a feudal system. And when you play Awakening, which is the big DLC for Origins, and you become basically like the Arl of um, Amaranthine. And so you have all these bands, all these nobles coming to you like, okay, I need you to send me gold for this. I need you to send me soldiers to protect me from the dark spawn. I need you to do this for me. So you really get this picture of like, all these people have sworn to you and they are constantly asking you for things. So your job is really to protect them. Um, And you really, really get that picture in Awakening. Austin, you haven't played Awakening yet, so you wouldn't know. I have started Awakening. I did the little party that you have that they're like, oh, welcome the new, like, Warden Commander. Like, meet all the nobles. And I told the guy to send him away because I was annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) You kicked them all out. Yeah. They're going to be mad at you. (laughs) I know. That's hilarious. Also, my dwarf's cunning is like 50, mm-hmm. so I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, that's, other than like the notable Ferelden's and our character for today, that's all I have about Ferelden. 
Um, so unless you guys have any thoughts or questions that are left unanswered. Well, let's break here and then we'll do our little middle of the show and then go into our characters. Unless... Okay. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right. All right. So as always, you can find us on the Twitter at Dragon Age Lorecast or on the Discord in the Robots Radio Discord, which you can find in the description. Um, Fire, where can we find you and what are you doing? Sure. Um, I am all over the place. Um, you can find me on Twitter as FireWriter. That's with a Y. Uh, F-Y-R-E, writer. Um, and then you can find the Pixel People podcast also on Twitter um, at Pixel People Pod. Uh, let's see. Where else do I hang out? Um, <laughs> I am... I am on Discord as well. I'm also in Robots Discord, and I have my own Discord as well, uh, Campfire. And uh, I'm on Twitch. Um, uh, took a little uh, hiatus, just uh, life was a little crazy for a bit there, so just uh, took a step back, you know, to kind of recalibrate, as uh, some, one of my favorite characters might say. And, um, but uh, returning shortly. <laughs> And uh, trying to think where else I'm at because I know I'm in other places too, but I'm drawing a blank at the moment. So those are the main places to find me, though. And if you really like when we highlight uh, characters at the end of the show, you should definitely check out the Pixel People because that's all they do is highlight <laughs> NPCs and other characters in yeah. in games, and it's a great podcast. Um, Thanks. So yeah. I have a good time. It's really fun. I love it's it's basically it's my excuse to talk to fun people about my favorite things, which is characters and games. And I just so happen to record it. So <laughs> it is a mostly selfish endeavor. <laughs> All right. Um so yeah, so if you would like to support our podcast, you can, as of now, just come up and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's the best way to support the podcast right now. Um, if you enjoy what we do, tell us about it, and we'll read your review on the podcast. So yeah, anything you want to add, Shelby? I don't think so. Sorry. All right. Well, that's okay. Let's get into the rest of the episode. Yes. Okay, so the last thing I brought is just a few notable Ferelden's. So you have Alistair, everyone's favorite nice guy in Origins. And then you have Caitlin. An actual nice like guy. Like actually, yeah, not like a, a not like a bro. Like <laughs> actually, actually. Hashtag nice guy. <laughs> like actually, he is very kind. Let me spring Dallister's defense. <laughs> um, and then there's Honora. And then um, there's Cullen Rutherford, who has a real big comeback in Inquisition. Um, let's see. Cole. Everyone's favorite. We don't know what he is. <laughs> um, uh, and then there's Hawk, originally from Ferelden. I don't know if Hawk would consider themselves. It, it probably depends on your character but uh, my hawk would probably consider themselves from the free marches since they've now spent most of their life there 
Um, anyways. Well, that's not even true because they're an mean? adult by the time they get. They are a, an adult. I guess by the time that's they get true. Yeah, but like they're but like eighteen, very young adults. They have so much of their maybe. formative experience. Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> you think they're they, older than that? A, I do think they're older than that. You Why? Know what? The dragon age. Someone, someone, tweet us and tell me how old Hawk is. Okay. Just so we can know. Okay. Uh-oh. Anyway. <laughs> but I would just say my hawk would consider themselves Ferelden. Okay, that's Because fair. there's a lot of conversations that you can have, and there's a lot of options you can give. Like, Ferelden will always be my home. That's true. And, like, there's a lot of things like, yes, hawk is the champion of Kirkwall, but almost every interaction are like, you're a Ferelden. Mm-hmm. That's a fair point. I will take that back. Right. Hawk is a Ferelden. Because... And no one really com like, no one really says you're an Amel, you know. Yeah. Like Leandra is an Amel, but they don't really consider Hawk one of them. That's fair. You're right. You are correct. Moving on, we also have Logan, and there's Nathaniel Howe, who is a fan favorite, and of course, there's also Sarah. Who a lot of people... She's a very controversial character. I like her. I know. I know you do. She annoys me. (laughs) (laughs) See, we're divided. (laughs) So those are some notable notable Freldens. Oh, and I forgot to mention, also Liliana. She has an Orlesian accent. Obviously, she spent most of her formative years in, uh, in Orlais, but... Her mom was Ferelden, and she considers herself to be Ferelden. So, also Connor, our only Eamon's yes. son, would yes. be another one to put up there. That's true. Big implic, and you can see him in later games. You can. Um, That's true. Yeah. And there are obviously oh. there are so many more, but those are just some important ones. All right. So for our last little bit, since we do like to highlight a character. And we have fire with us. We thought, let's let fire do it. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So who would you like to talk about today? Well, I decided to go ahead and bring Alistair. He is the one that I know best. And, um, yeah. (laughs) I love Alistair. He was my romance. (laughs) Talk about your fan favorites. (laughs) Yeah, well, just tell us a little bit about him. All right. Well, let's see. Um, we've covered a lot of yeah. him uh, just uh, in the base, uh, just going through uh, the story of uh, Ferelden. Um, I think he's an interesting character who um, I think is really kind of underestimated sometimes by the fandom. Mm-hmm. Um, he's often portrayed as kind of a, I hate the word, but himbo yes which i think is very unfair yes um <laughs> yes he is not a himbo he's very intelligent he's not a himbo he just he has is. no and, i mean he says hilarious things <laughs> <Yeah>. i mean <laughs> for quite my, a while i had a yeah my favorite thing that happens with alistair and this is just yeah. this is a developer thing because they didn't really put this together but you can have a conversation with him to just be like, okay, I'm going to make you and Honora king and queen and you're going to get married. And then you get into like the last scene and you say, Alistair and Honora will rule together. And Alistair's just like, wait, what? No one told me this. 
what? We, well, bro, we just talked about no. we just and there's the famous <laughs> scene where like in the scene with Connor, he's like, I don't want to like suggest killing a child, but he's an abomination. And then later he's like, I can't believe you killed Connor. And I'm like, you told me to. <laughs> <laughs> so unfair. But um, I think that's just developer thing. So yeah. I, I, I love his. um he, he was interesting because um, when it comes to romancing characters, he is definitely not the type that I usually pick. Um, but for my play style, he made the most sense. Um, when I was initially coming into the game, I was kind of joking like, hey guys, who am I going to want to romance in this? And um, what people were actually telling me was Morrigan. But I wound up spending, like, no time with Morgan because she hated literally everything I did. Whereas he was just a little more like, oh, that's so cool. I love you. <laughs> I was kind of like, okay, well, I love you too. <laughs> but um, it's, it's interesting, though, um, some of the things that, you know, that you have to kind of go through with him. And if you don't take the right steps you can't get the right endings and you know the whole idea of that you have to harden him um to kind of get a better outcome and to i don't know make him i guess hardened but that's not really the word i want to use um to just tone down his idealism i guess um he you know he comes into it pretty idealistic with a lot of um uh, ideas about the way things should be and they're not that's just not how the world works and that's a pretty hard lesson for anybody to learn and you kind of have to be the one to give it to them and um it's it's interesting thing about this game it's like you're presented with just this long mile long list of dialogue choices and you've got to pick the right one out of like seven or eight otherwise you're not going to get what you want and i think that's that was a really interesting uh, mechanic there because it's it's pretty easy to uh, screw up and keep your idealistic Alistair who is going to wind up not accomplishing anything. Um, I also think that um, just within the game, um, he's um, he's put into some really questionable and problematic um, scenarios. Um, there was one where at the encouragement of my uh, of the uh, folks in my stream, uh, we wound up having a threesome with somebody, and he, he was not super into it, and I felt really bad. I was like, "I'm so sorry for talking you into this. This was not okay." Wait, was you know? this was this to do the dark ritual with Morgan? No, no, this, oh. no, this was. Mm -hmm. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Because if he's right. hardened, you can talk him into it. Mm -hmm. Which is so sad. Yeah. Like, ooh. I know. I was just like, this is really sketchy, yeah. and I feel really bad for doing this. I mean, you know, and of course, it's, you know, it's kind of played as kind of funny, but it's like, mm, is, is, it, is it really funny, though? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and we, we you know, in, in my game, uh, the Dark Ritual did happen. And that was another point where I'm just like, I'm, I'm watching the screen like, oh, this is awful. Oh, my God. What have I, what have I done? This is horrible. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, 
and uh, you know just that he's put into those positions um this this poor uh is this poor this poor character who just doesn't doesn't quite get the respect he ever he deserves and and i think that's really uh part of it too that even if you romance him and um can keep him by your side throughout the whole time in some ways you are kind of forced to treat him like a pawn at certain points and and i think that speaks to kind of that uh complexity um that i was talking about earlier where it's like you know i want my character to be good but my character's doing some pretty crummy things um and i mean that's an understatement <laughs> like that's that, that's some pretty evil things um i think in my opinion and um yeah, poor Alistair. Um, but I love him to pieces. Um, I love his banter. I that was one of the favorite parts of the game for me was just every time um, I'm walking and two of them start talking to each other, it's like I stop everything because I just I want to listen to what yes. they're going to say. Yes. And he has just some of the funniest exchanges with people. It's it's delightful. Yeah, his <laughs> his lines with Win are hilarious. <laughs> My favorite. I had a lot of that because he, Win, and Liliana were my dream team throughout most of the game. That's a good squad. Uh, I love (laughs) Alistair's, especially if you harden him, because he goes from this very, he's a very passive character, like you see. And that, like, oh, and by passive, I mean a lot of things are done to him. He doesn't really, like, initiate. He reacts to the things that are done to him, but most of his story are other people doing things to him. Yeah, um, yeah. And, but if you harden him and, like, do this, like, it is kind of, like, a moment in, like, especially when he says, no, I want to be king. Like, him actually standing up and saying, like, no, I can do this. Like, it's time for me to do this because... I think one of my favorite dialogues is it's a very beginning when you get to Lothering and Morrigan being Morrigan self, just like, hey, Alistair, are you the senior Grey Warden? Why aren't you leading? And Alistair's just like, uh, leading's not for me. Um, but you that journey of moving and like, if you leave him with the Wardens, he's very, and he's hardened, you kind of get to see the payoff of like, that a little more up close in the later games mm-hmm. yeah oh that's cool <laughs> that's a good point I well i never and never never forget uh swooping is bad swooping is, swooping bad. is bad that's in our intro <laughs> 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 for a while i had it as a uh, as a sound cue on my <laughs> yeah it's a it's a hilarious quote did you know it's did y'all so know there is a Cards Against Humanity reference to that line. Yes, yes, yes. I remember the first time I heard that, I was like, oh, that's what that means. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I had no idea yes. that that's what that was referencing. It just says swooping. Yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> Like what is, for the longest time when I play Cards Against Humanity, what is, what is swooping? swooping? What does that mean? It's swooping. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I really wish, so... This is a little spoilery, sorry for Inquisition, but I really, like, if you do one quest before a certain quest with the Grey Wardens, you have the potential of, and Alistair is your Grey Warden, you have a potential of Alistair and Morrigan being in your, like, place at the same time. Ooh. Which hasn't happened since 
ink since uh oh origins same thing with you know the liana is there but i never get any like dialogue between morgan and alistair and like you know they would like morgan couldn't come and like not poke fun at this man well if you do the ritual he gets to meet his son oh oh wow that's cute oh my goodness so when you get to that do the this is a right and get to inquisition well, I guess you wouldn't get to see it because you may. Because, well, no, because Alistair wasn't king, so he would be right. a warden. He'd be a warden, wouldn't he? For you. Um, I believe so, I think yeah. So. yeah. So make sure you do the Winter Palace quest before you do the quest with the Grey Wardens. I will try to remember that. Yeah, it, people will. <laughs> and if I forget, you. I know. I, uh-huh. Yeah, somebody in my stream will be like, hold up, what you doing? Go do this first. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be like, okay. <laughs> Just tell me what to do. <laughs> Anything else about Alistair? Other than the fact that we love um, him? Yes. <laughs> we do get to meet his actual mother. Oh, yeah. In the later games. Mm, um, that will be interesting. Who, she's really interesting. Um, she's more interesting in the books. Yes. Just saying. Um, <laughs> but yes. So the book, The Calling, you get to yeah. meet his mother. Um and she's in Inquisition. Um, Briefly. Cool. Briefly. Well, more perm, depending on what you choose. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we have for this week. Um, thank you, Fire, for being on this podcast and coming and giving this a lot of fun. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see you next week on the Dragon Age Lorecast. Wait, no, we won't see you next week on the Dragon Age Lorecast because we're going to take a break, remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We will be breaking a week for just timing-wise, so we won't be putting out an episode after this one, and we'll have a week break before we're back again. So, yeah. We'll see you next time on the Dragon (laughs) Age Lorecast. There, now I can edit everything around it. Yes, we're going to a wedding. All right. To the Dragon Age Lorecast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at DA Lorecast. If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, email them to us at DALorecast at gmail.com. The Dragon Age Lorecast is a part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club. You can join the Robots Radio Network Discord by clicking the link in our episode description. If you enjoyed our show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and give us a review. See you next time. Hi, I'm Aaron. And I'm Ariel. And we're the hosts of the Legend of Zelda Lorecast, a podcast about all things Legend of Zelda, from Errol to Zora. And all the fun things in between. If you're ready to dive deep and learn more about the Legend of Zelda lore and everything surrounding it, come join us on Legend of Zelda Lorecast. You can find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever else you get your podcasts. We hope to see you soon.